0: Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest
1: gospel worldview. Let's get it.
0: what's up chad what up josh welcome back here we are in the studio
1: where'd uh, i go welcome back where'd i go
0: i'm back oh yeah that's
1: right where'd but you, you go? were supposed
0: to say that to me <laughs> but i knew you wouldn't you probably didn't even remember i was going for a week i'm at mean, the g3 conference man yeah throwing up is... my reformed banner i'm in the camp dude what's g3 stand for grace glory probably grace god and glory maybe Grace. You went to the conference? Yeah, but they don't really like talk about it too much. Oh, okay. You just it's like a three exponent. So you don't really see what it means. Yeah. Unless you look it out. But I saw it one time and it was something like that. Grace, God, and
1: glory. Nice. So tell me about the conference. What'd you what you take away? What were some of the highlights? Well, I was I was wanting to comment
0: on just the like I was telling you earlier, like the campiness of it. Okay. Cause like I haven't been to a conference like that for, I mean, of religious reason or a spiritual reason or whatever. I've Mm -hmm. been to all these like self-help conferences, Mm -hmm. but this one was like, uh, different. Yeah. How so? Well, there was really no reason to be there other than to hear God or hear the word of God preached. And so it was really just a bunch of sermons. Yeah. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah, but like normally you go and you're like, oh, they're going to teach me how to run my business or they're going to teach me how to Mm -hmm. make more money or. But the topic was Christ and every year they have a different topic. Yeah. And so all these, you know, John MacArthur preached, uh, James White, Bodie Bauckham, Stephen Lawson, some other guys I hadn't heard of, but they were incredible. Mm. Paul Washer was there. Paul Washer preached, his was the best one. Was it? It was, it will make you feel like a little boy <laughs> and that you're not even a Christian or you're just like a really little one. That's yeah. It. But well, he, sh- he followed it up. He had a uh, quote. He said, there's no great men of God. Mm-hmm. There's only tiny weak men that are used by a mighty God. That's true. I'll go for that. Cause everyone was praising him for just being amazing. Mm-hmm. And he gets up there and he's like, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. Pastor Bice I was a Josh Bice ran the whole thing mm. and he's like but I am not a great man of God just a tiny little run of the litter that God decided to use
1: for yeah. no
0: good reason uh, except that's, for his glory <laughs> that is a good reason yeah that's a right view that's right yes it was great um, 16 sermons had some breakout sessions and uh, bought a lot of books for family worship time mm-hmm. and yeah it was, it was amazing that's awesome. Can't wait for Shepard's conference.
1: I know. It's going to be fun.
0: I met some contacts, so you guys are going to be hearing from some of the people I met. Or they're going to be guests on the show. We're going to hear from a few of those. I'll
1: just save it, though, Um as a surprise. So, nice. Yeah. That's good. It sounds like you you got a lot out of it. I'm in, dude. You're all the I'm way in. the circle. You're a
0: G three guy. Some guy came some guy like came up to me, he knew me from back in the day. And he's like, dude, I didn't know you were reformed. I'm like, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I just I like truth. Right. I like hearing God preached.
1: Right. Steve Lawson. I was watching a, uh, I sent it to our elder text. I don't know if you watched that little question and answer thing I sent. No, it's cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm i I'm sure I know what you're talking about. Was it recent? Yeah, it was like a week ago.
0: Dude, I was at the conference, man, soaking it all in.
1: So as our one of our number one listeners, Dickie Lyons, says, this is why we have conversations, did, and Josh never listens to anything that I'm saying. Did you read or listen to the
0: YouTube video about Norm MacDonald, who became a Christian <laughs> at the end of his life? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> okay. We're even, then.
1: <laughs> I feel like mine with MacArthur and Lawson and those guys might have been a little more... Spiritual. Except for the
0: fact that i probably get a MacArthur or Lawson quote true, or were there. Were there. article shared with me seven times a week.
1: That's true. But, <laughs> um, he said it best because he, somebody asked in the question and answer time, like, how, what's reform theology? Like, how do you define it? Because you hear people it's throw not that. Calvinism. Yeah, people, well, I mean. It's not just, it's more than soteriology.
0: It's, it's way bigger than that.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, people throw those words around. And try to define it into a camp of a type of a person. Reformed theology is very simple. It's biblical. It's God, exactly. <laughs> God formed the scriptures. The scriptures continually get deformed by false teachers, false prophets, religions, you know, and reformers are ones who are constantly trying to reform back to the purity in the original scriptures. Yeah. That's all it is. They, the reformers and the, what well,
0: 1500s yeah. or whatever had a saying always reforming. You're right. And if I was smart, I
1: would know the Latin. Thing. All that means is reformed, we're continually Latin. trying to go back to the word of God and do it the way God said to do it by how he said to do it. It's it, it's not it's not this um wave or this new age or this some sort of like uh, sector of Christianity. Reform the theology is just do it the way the Bible says to do but, it. Clearly. It speaks to
0: human nature
1: mm-hmm. in
0: that we need to make it that because it right. is very much so a label, a brand, a camp. Right. I didn't even realize it because I think our church does a good job of not mm-hmm. being campy because I bet over half the people in our church don't know what quote unquote Reformed theology is. Right. But they know it
1: because they, 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 they are reformed day. whether they know it or not because yeah. that's, that's how we preach. Right. Which is good. I mean, it shouldn't be some sort of uh, theological camp we're in.
0: It's just think it good just, theology. Yes, and I, I believe the people that are about it, and like even the guys that like do G three, and they're trying mm-hmm. to equip the local church. I think they don't mean anything bad by it, but just naturally you, because we had six thousand people there, right? So naturally you're going to have some people that come in. Just based on the campiness of who, it, who
1: want to be a part of the camp but don't actually understand why the, like why they're there. Yeah, right? it's crazy, man. Like, and I, I'm not judging anybody, but
0: we just finished. Like, Steve Lawson preached on the resurrection, and like then we did two worship songs after, and it's like six o'clock at night. It's late. Mm-hmm. People are like getting up and leaving. I'm like, how can you just? leave in the middle of worship right it was blowing my mind i'm just like so
1: but it shows you now some people may have an you know some people may have had an emergency there was hundreds of them though but it was late at night a they lot were of like, people we're just they just weren't really not, into it they're not there for that reason
0: they were there to hear the famous people preach
1: right and that's going. but that's going to happen regardless i know it's just interesting yeah. Yeah, but like is there was a guy. Nature. We
0: were all just leaving our bags everywhere. Yeah, like the bookstore. There's, there's no nobody cares. They, they mm-hmm. just trust everybody. So this dude in front of me, he was like, "I left my bag here," and I was like, "If it gets stolen, I'll just say oh well, I guess they weren't reformed.'"
1: <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what? Like what does that even, you know what I'm saying? like what does that even mean? He loves the that's the like he attaches
0: this like mm-hmm. higher level right. of identity to it like it's yeah. more important that you label yourself right. as that
1: which by the way, if you're that person, that's as as sinful as any other camp because it's not actually your identity is not Christ. like what you should say is, maybe they're not a Christian. <laughs> well, that's what I was getting if at. If they're willing to steal, not they're Reformed. Like he,
0: what he was saying is he's right. equating being Reformed as being only the true
1: uh, yeah. Christian. Right. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, that's that's not the right attitude towards yeah. it. You know what I mean? But that same thing happened in seminary all the time. We went to a great seminary, Southern Theological Bible Seminary, you know, Almower, you know, Reformed. Like, that was all up in there, too. Yeah. But there was a lot of students... Who you could tell were there to be a part of the camp, not necessarily there to really understand who God is and how to like live for him and, and minister the word. It was more of like this team they wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And it, it does rub you the wrong way, but you just got to realize like that's always going to happen.
0: All right. You want a topic? Yeah. You want to look at a cultural topic through a biblical lens? <laughs> I think that's what we're here for. That's what we do here. All right. The topic is we are the church
1: <laughs> if you could just see your face <laughs> i was trying to hide yeah from you <laughs> i don't know if that face was because it was a bad like a bad job of hiding in the title uh, or what
0: you'll never know see i always throw you off
1: in my faces uh-huh. looks like
0: they're obvious but there's something behind it <laughs> yeah yeah kind of throw you off with my uh-huh. Just
1: chaos. A little mouse on a bike in there. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to stay above the water. i only get one, right? One what?
0: Leave it. Yeah. But you're going to definitely not want to leave this one.
1: Because the next one. (laughs) I'm going to take it just because I don't know. I feel like it. All right.
0: So I was at a um, birthday party the other day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's the guy who was hosting it, like long-time Christian guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's done ministry. He's been overseas, all this stuff. And uh, I was like, hey, where you go to church? He's like, I don't. Hmm. I'm like, whoa. Oh, I, like, I didn't know what to say to this guy. And so I just kind of, what did I say? I said... Oh, is it like, are you just hadn't found a good one out here yet or what? And he's like, no, nah, man, we just, you know, we, we are the church. So, um, you know, we gather with friends and we'll meet. Like, I think they do kind of like a house church, but yeah. the f- statement was off putting at first. He's like, I don't like, he doesn't want to be associated with someone that goes to a church that's kind of like more um you know normal mainstream hmm. so i thought that was interesting and what would you say to a guy if you're talking to him you're a pastor and you're like he's like they're a christian and they're like i don't well
1: what are you doing over there i'm looking up a particular verse
0: you're looking for hebrews 10:25
1: that's what i was looking for <laughs> i was in 10 but i couldn't find it Yes, let us not forsake the gathering that's what I, I immediately would say Hebrews 10 <laughs> says not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some and I would look at him and be like apparently you <laughs> 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 but encouraging one, one another fulfilling
0: this prophecy right, right here
1: but encouraging one another and all the more as the day is drawing near um, you have to cut out a lot of scripture not to be a part of the body of Christ which, by the way, the church is the bride of Christ, so the fact that you don't want to be a part of it. Now, I understand that he's probably meaning the organization of a church, but the Bible also is really clear about the organization of the church. Ephesians uh, chapter 4, he gives the apostles and the, the shepherds and the teacher. you know, he gives for what? The purpose of building the body of Christ, which means there's, there's pastors of, there's leaders of, there's gathering together, acts is full of... Them gathering together to hear the apostles preaching and teaching and being together one anothering, so you have to pretty much cut out the entire New Testament to have that attitude towards the church. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we honestly, get somebody to that place
0: where they have that kind of uh, chip on their shoulder.
1: I mean, pride and arrogance would be one. Two would be a terrible theology because obviously you're not reading and understanding Scripture to understand that you need to be a part of the body of Christ. Yeah. And have that going, but then, um, could be church hurt, could be a disgusting, being disgusted with some of some of how the modern American church is ran, which I understand, you know, the secret sensitive models or movements or where it's more like a business than it is a church. Right. That can, I, I could definitely see how that would turn someone off, but that's not an excuse or a right to stop being a part of the church. Or start to find church in your own way that makes you just as bad as the, the thing that you're rejecting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Going back to Reformed theology, we go to scripture and say, here's what the Bible says about what this is. So let me find a body of, of believers to be a part of that agree with this. Right. So then I can be a part of that with my family. Yeah. That's what you do. Not pendulum swing to doing something also wrong. Right. <laughs> well, let me see
0: if there's some sin that maybe want like, Making me go that direction in the first place, yeah. Which because it's his combative, yeah, like nature spirit that he had about it, and it was like, right,
1: which just shows a pride and arrogance in yeah. that regard. And like I said, there could be church hurt, meaning like maybe he was a part of a church that wasn't doing things biblically, and it hurt him and rubbed him the wrong way, and so he just said, "I'm done with the church." But you can't really do that because God is the one who defined the church. You can be done with that particular church like as far as like church small c that organization yeah that particular local body of believers but that should put you on a pursuit of seeking something more faithful to be a part of and there's no perfect church because it's full of imperfect people but you can look for faithfulness in the pastors and in the elders and in the congregation you know, and then
0: look how much you've talked versus how much I've talked. <laughs> well, you asked me a question. I know, I'm just marveling <laughs> at all of your airtime. Can we change topics?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I, I thought you want me to answer the question. So I know I was- you've answered it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> so I got it because I just came up with another one. Josh is, uh, it's he dope. got back from G3 and all of a sudden he's got some, uh, I'm fired up got some fire in I got some new resolutions. Yeah? You want to hear? <laughs> sure.
0: No, you don't. <laughs> Alright, saved by the bell. <sighs> I, I pass. What? Gosh, I hate when you pass. <laughs> it like never, never ceases to amaze me that you would pass a a topic especially my last topic
1: <laughs> well tell us your resolutions now we got time you want some air time so now take it take it over I am resolved
0: I was trying to think of Edwards quote he says I'm resolved to study the scripture yeah so much that, I don't know, anyways um, I'm resolved to memorize every not every um, chapter of the gospels but I want to memorize every uh, delineation, every literary um, topic, like, he- like heading? Pretty much heading. But yeah. sometimes, you know, those headings aren't always right. But pretty much, like, I wish it could be every chapter. Like, I want to know what every chapter...
1: Like, so you know where to go to to find a particular Exactly. Thing.
0: And I'm going to store it in my head mm. as, this is... This is the chapter that it's in. This is the main point, and this is how I can use it when I'm sharing my faith or discipling a student. That's good. And uh, I feel like the Gospels will be great. And also, like, within doing that, I'm going to have to, like, harmonize them because, you know, there's, like, the whole harmony of the Gospels and how they're written. Yeah. Like, Mark was written first, then Matthew and Luke a couple years later, and then John was written. Did you know this? 25 years after.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he basically took those guys and was like, all right, that's great. Now I'm going to give you all a little more theology.
1: A little more theology. And he also, I mean, he, he talks about the deity of Christ he's the show, most. going to show, yeah, how Christ is divine. Right. And he proves that and through he, the miracles that he chooses to but, list. Right. But also he's the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? And so he also has a real personal, like it's written in a little bit more of a personal bent than yeah. it is like a factual, you know, you get a little more, you see that kind of relationship coming out in his writing too, which is cool, yeah. you know.
0: So that, in, t- in order to pull this off,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm waking up at 4am every morning. Good job,
1: man. No, re- don't say good
0: job yet. I, like today was my first day and I snoozed twice. <laughs> These so, are the resolutions. I pulled one from Dickie Lyons. I set my alarm for 413. Cause I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I think it's great, man. I'm yeah. Gonna do it.
1: Yeah, listen, if it if it does the trick, it does the trick. So So when I say 4, I mean actually 4:13. Yeah.
0: And uh that will give me 2 hours every morning.
1: That's awesome. Just pray and read. So I'm going to try to knock that out in the next, I don't know, 3 or 4 yeah. months. I don't know how long it'll take. I've been doing that with the opposite cuz I'm more of a night Staying person. Up late. So instead of a few nights instead of like Watching a show or something, been using that time to break out some things I've been wanting to study and and study into the night a little further. Yeah, because that's just for me. The mornings I can get up, but my mind being super clear for studying is not usually the case. I just do twenty push-ups, man. Just uh, get that, the blood going. Yeah, there, head that could work. I don't. I don't exercise before, so that would that would help. Yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> night is. You know, the whole circadian rhythms that's my natural like I'm creative and I'm alert and Marie's an early to bed person and both my kids go to bed at 8 so I've got a couple hours I still go to bed at a decent time like 10 10 and I've still read for a couple hours Right. so
0: yeah there's a, a guy there I, I'd never heard of him his name's Joel Beak. Um, he's the president of the Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary mm-hmm. and Probably the smartest guy that was there.
1: Yeah.
0: He's written so much. He's done a ton with the Puritans, obviously. Sweet. And he's, he's written like a four part series on his systematic theology, mm-hmm. which he's like finishing up. And so we were talking to him and he is like, you know, we, were, when we went through Oswald Sanders chapter on time, yeah. like make the best use of it. And there's that example of the guy with the stopwatch that he's like, all right, we got four minutes. He walk around the block with his son and they, mm-hmm. They talk about politics for four minutes, and just like his whole day, and so that's how this guy is. And he says he works until midnight mm-hmm. every day, and then he goes and gets in the hot tub with his wife until one. Then he goes to sleep and he wakes up at five a.m. every morning. Wow! Like he sleeps like four or five hours a night. He works late. His he wife's sl- a late
1: late person too. To begin the hot tub at twelve. Yeah. What well, <laughs> he?
0: So basically, he works all day. And then he comes home for dinner, visits with his wife. I don't know if family, like where that, like his kids are probably older and out yeah, of the house. Yeah. And then he works, he goes back to work until midnight.
1: He works 80 hours a week and, uh, doesn't and he, sleep much. And he comes back and the wife's like, yeah, I'll get in the hot tub at yeah. midnight. <laughs> she's a ride or die. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> so that just inspired me like, Marie, if you're listening, we need to get a hot tub and we're going in at midnight. <laughs> she would not do she well. At, not do uh, well. <laughs> she's like, how about 8 a.m.? 8 p.m. Yeah. But no. she'd be
0: up at four a.m. with you. Oh yeah,
1: all day. She would hot tub it early. I would love to wake up early to a hot tub. That might, that might be the thing that would get me. Like, if I had something like that where I could just like, I don't have to be that awake, but I could slip into just to, like start waking up yeah. in a hot tub. I could pray. that'd be cool. Say your prayers. That's the hard part. Is that's what I do in the that mornings. Early. That's actually that's what I do best in the mornings. I don't do a whole lot of study in the mornings. I read some, like the Bible and stuff, but. Like that's not when I really sit down and like study, study, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause my mind's like still waking up. But I'll, my routine now is I'll get up early, I'll get coffee and I'll just sit on the couch in the dark. Marie's usually over at like the kitchen table. She's, that's her study time, but I'll just sit on the couch with my coffee with my eyes closed and I'll just start praying, but I won't go back to sleep. Like, like you can keep your mind. Yeah. Wait. I just like start thinking through all the things and just start praying. That's like the best and that kinda of starts waking me up. That's great. Yeah.
0: But anyways, listening to him and even like when we talked to him, it was really my friend, it wasn't me, but I'm just trying to make the story first person. He's like, Hey <laughs> Make everything about yourself. <laughs> well just I don't know, my friend did this, whatever, but now it's the cat's out of the bag. So <laughs> So he, anyways he was like, Hey, can I ask you a question? 'Cause this we're at a conference, people yeah. everywhere, everyone's wanting to talk to him. He's like, yeah, but you got to go to the bathroom with me. Because he's like, I'm not going to waste a minute. Like, I have to go to the bathroom. You can walk with me and ask me your question. And then when we're back, and then, like, that's basically how it went down. And he said he was, like, sprinting over there. Like, he was just like, but he explained how that's how he runs his life. Like, he doesn't waste one minute. And he even told him that story. He's like, that's why I asked you to go to the bathroom with me. Because Mm -hmm. I know we could talk while I'm walking way over there. You know, so it's like.
1: Anyways, that just like, yeah, I need to be more more dedicated to this. Yeah, Ephesians 5 tells us that, like, to, like, to number our days because our days are evil. Like, to be. Make the best use of your time. Yeah, make the best use. And it's crazy, too. Like, you can, like, when
0: you're doing sports, when you're like, when I was in the military, it's so easy to wake up early because you got guys waiting for you, yeah. depending on you. Yeah. But I got God waiting to pray with me in the mm-hmm. morning, and I, like, don't wake up. So it's like the fear of God over the fear of man. Yeah. So I'm just resolved to remedy that.
1: That's good, man. Hopefully that encourages others. Encourages me. I mean. But you got to ask me now every week and see how I've been doing. Well, it's funny because like. Because I need the fear of man. (laughs) Well, I listened to that story and I'm a pretty like diligent, hardworking dude. But I'm like, gosh, I don't, I don't have like every minute down to like. (laughs) Not even close. You know (laughs) what I mean? I'm like, man.
0: He doesn't have kids though. Like they're probably grown
1: yeah but still
0: he's 70 years old
1: all right well let's get to
0: our topic we wanted to um to talk about scripture so i'm going to start us off with this uh what rule has god given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him and actually i meant to start off with the first one which is this what is the chief end of man to glorify god Okay. Now, <laughs> what rule has God given to direct us how we may glorify him?
1: To study and understand the scriptures? Yeah.
0: That's it. Yeah. The actual answer for the, the Westminster The way you were
1: like asking that like maybe I feel like it is a trick question for a second. So
0: Westminster Sorry. says, "The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us mm. how we may glorify and enjoy him." So, Which really answers our question, but I want to just expound on it.
1: Well, yeah. Are the scriptures enough
0: for us to live out our
1: lives? I like how you ask that. If you think of it, let me just make it real simple. That's how I like to do things, right? Just think of it this way. If, let's say Josh is God in this uh, analogy. If, If your chief end is that everybody glorifies you, and then you tell everybody how to do that by writing it down for them. Wouldn't it make sense that everybody just read that and know what you said? Mm. Right? Yeah? Well, that's exactly what God did for us in the scriptures. So it's crazy to me, just in the very simple in the very simple terms, why we would think that we would need to do anything differently. God is not a God who is a one of confusion. It's not God's goal. God's goal for his people is to glorify him, know him, worship him, understand what that looks like, what that means, so much so that he spent centuries writing it down, pursuing us, all those things. And so, to think that in our Christian life, taking that example of the guy who says why, you know, his whole idea of church, it's just obviously someone who hasn't sat down and come to the lord come to the word and said god what do you want from me mhm which is the first question right and then god has said that in his word to us and so we read it understand it do it right, right. so i'm just saying that in very simple terms because that's kind well, of well
0: we get all you're right we get off on the first question what right. is the chief end of man right and i think we had this idea that the chief end of man is for us to for us to be glorified, for us to right. feel happy, to
1: be, exactly. to enjoy our experience, our circumstances, our life. And that is the theology. So that, you,
0: the Bible doesn't help you with that.
1: No. And and that is the theology that is taught in our average American churches right now. Secret right. sensitive movements, prosperity gospels. God exists even for charis, your benefit. Even charismatic movements, even faith healers. It's all about, it's a man-centered theology of God loves you and wants This for you, wants you to have this, wants you to be this. And it's all about yourself. Which, there's a reason why it never actually fully satisfies and no one ever actually gets to the place they think they're gonna get because it's not, that's not what God said at all. Mm -hmm. When you understand the chief end of man is to glorify God, that we were actually created for His glory to worship Him, well that's a totally different discussion, right? It's not about you at all. Actually, you're pretty expendable, truly, if it were not for God's character and his love for us that because of our sin we deserve death. Yeah, we have nothing to offer. Nothing to offer. And God would be fully right in his justice to wipe the earth clean with all of us and not even blink an eye. Yeah. God's Which saves. actually brings
0: him glory because he's exercising his nature exactly. in
1: that way. But God's also Fully love, full mercy, full of grace, right? And so he reconciles that nature, his wrath, his justice, his grace, his mercy in a person in Jesus Christ, right? That's what the gospel is, is God punishing sin basically in himself through his son, defeats sin and death and rightly expects everyone if to worship Christ, make him Lord, in order to be restored into that relationship God created us for in the first place, all right? That's clearly laid out in scripture for us. Mm-hmm. But you have to get that first part right, like you said. That it's about God's glory, not your own. Yeah. What if, is
0: your purpose?
1: And then, if you get that right, then scripture will be sufficient for you. Exactly. Because all you're trying to figure out is how to glorify God. right. And then it becomes a very simple task at that point because mm-hmm. the scriptures tell us that every well, word yeah. God-breathed. For what simple, purpose? Simple, not easy, right? <laughs> I didn't say easy. You got a lot of I sin to But it's not confusing. Right. Right? Because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? Every word is God-breathed. Written for what purpose? For correction, for training in righteousness, right? So it tells us everything we need to know for those purposes. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're not trusting Scripture, you can also reverse engineer that. I would also ask you do you desire to glorify God? Mm -hmm. Or are you looking to please yourself? Right. Because for the one who's wanting to glorify God, Scripture will be sufficient. Right? Yeah. Okay, so what are,
0: um, how does this play out practically? Where we can recognize people that are typically trying to be wise in their own eyes, uh, what does this look like? Can you think of examples? Um,
1: well, I can give the uh, I can give the church example. I uh, put that the the seeker sensitive pragmatic approach, mm-hmm. right? Being wise in your own eyes is okay. We want we want our church to grow. want as many people to come as possible right and we tell ourselves because we want as many people to hear about Jesus as possible right so in order to get as many people to show up as possible to hear about Jesus as possible we need to cater to what people would like and want right (coughs) so there's that okay, now we're not thinking about Scripture here. We're still thinking in our being wise in our own eyes. Right. Because wouldn't it be best to get as many people to hear about Jesus as possible? hmm Not necessarily. If you're not going to tell them about who, the true Jesus from Scripture, it's not. Right. Because you're giving them false gospels, right? And so if you do everything to get a big crowd to show up, but you're catering to the crowd, and then you're being wise in your own eyes to, let's, let's just tell it. Aspects. Let's just drip the gospel. Let's just tell a version of it Right. that is more palatable. Let's let's not talk about wrath and hell, right? Let's talk about how much God loves you, right? We're not going to talk about how much you deserve wrath, right? Right.
0: We don't want you to feel
1: bad about your sin. Don't cause, want you to feel bad because we don't trust
0: that you'll actually get it. Because right, like we know that once we see our sin then we see the need for a savior then we can believe mm-hmm. and trust in that savior be cleansed and boom like mm-hmm. all is well we 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 have peace with god we've been given access to him now we can worship mm-hmm. him in spirit and truth and so we know that that's great but like it's they just don't trust that like that person they're going to hear they're they're sinful and they're not going to take the step mm-hmm. of or be right.
1: drawn by the spirit into right. you know or it's not going to be a place that makes um, people who are lost feel comfortable, or they're not going to really, they're not really, really going to feel like they're getting much out of it. There's all these things that we say, right? Yeah. And once again, we're going back to we're trying to reach as many people for Christ as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to do things in such a way that that makes it more accessible for everyone, right? Now, that's being wise in your own eyes, because there's a lot of things that you're doing there. One, you're deceiving people and you're giving them an easy believism that Christ never gives, first of all. Two, if you really cut yourself deep, especially if you're a pastor, what you're truly saying is God is not great enough, powerful enough, good enough, right, in how he draws people to himself,
0: Yeah,
1: right? That you need to do something for him, in order to get more people in. Right. Besides the thing that he tells us to do, which is to preach the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To tell people what he said. And we're also ignoring the realities of what God and what Christ has said that, that this will be a hard truth, that, that if they hated me, they'll hate you, that not everybody's gonna want this or accept this, and that God has to open their eyes to it. There's nothing you can do to get people in. Christ said the gate is narrow, right? The way is narrow and the gate is and the way is wide to destruction but narrow to the righteousness that I'm the way the truth and life. So the other thing that you're ignoring there too is when you try to let people in the back door that there's no such thing as that that you're still leading them to destruction. Mhm. Right? the only thing that's good and loving for people is to tell them the truth. Jesus says the truth sets us free. Or this leads to repentance. So if I do anything other than teach the word rightly, I'm in sin and I'm leading people astray. And those very people will be the ones where Christ warns in Matthew 7 that many people will say, we prophesy in your name. We do all this in your name, and Jesus is going to say, "I never knew you."
0: Yeah. Another example too, which I may be even clearer. Not to compare with yours. <laughs> <a> computer, <laughs> I like I like how you started that. It's the the gospel for the oppressed, like quote okay. unquote. Yeah. So because and this is why it seems like
1: you're doing the right good thing. Give us an example of the gospel for the oppressed.
0: Well, you're you're saying come to Christ, Mm -hmm. he will make, he will, he loves you more because you're poor and because you're oppressed and because Mm -hmm. you're abused. And he wants to, he wants to fix those things Yeah. because
1: he cares. No, no, no. The big psychologist in the sky.
0: Which is, the truth is, you're a sinner just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And what he wants to fix is your sin problem because you cannot rightly glorify the father mm-hmm. without your sin problem being fixed, which has been paid for by mm-hmm. Christ. And so the gospel of the oppressed kind of overlooks that and says, we need a different gospel, which obviously they wouldn't say those words, right? but we need to, to frame it in this way because we need to care for these people. yeah. And so now their chief end rather than glorifying God has been their chief end, which seems altruistic is to care for the oppressed is to care for the poor is to mm-hmm. In their poverty, not in their sinful condition, right? right? Right, and that's the the danger. So, but they once again they get off on the first question, which is, "What is your chief end?" Right. Oh, my chief end is to care for the the oppressed. Right. Sounds good, right? Sounds sounds righteous, right? But it's not right. It's, it's not, not true.
1: That's right. And it's just it's off it's off kilter.
0: So then you're guided. Oh. Now scripture isn't enough mm-hmm. because it's not enough because your goal mm-hmm. is different than the goal you were designed
1: for. Yeah. Give the example you were telling me about from the conference too about, um, church governing with the elders. We're talking about that book. Oh, yeah. That's another one that's like. So
0: there's, it's funny. There's a guy there, which is funny that he was in this situation with all these reformed guys with all these huge churches. But he was advocating, he he approached me and asked if I was in church leadership, and I said yes, and um, he basically runs a consulting business for churches, and really what they want to see is a healthy local church that's um, governed scripturally and um, also similar to how the first century churches were. And then lastly, and this is where you got to be careful because it sounds all great, based on social sciences. So they've done all these studies. They've been doing it for decades. right? And so biblical, oh, great. Early church, that's good, too, Mm -hmm. because early church, you would think, like, they're closest to the purity of Scripture. Right. So we want to reform to exactly what Scripture is, but sometimes seeing some of these breadcrumbs along the way, the early church, the Reformers... That helps us get there. Yeah, and then the, the last one is and socially, like social sciences. We've done these studies. We've seen all these experiences. Like we have all these this which, data,
1: which then is catering to what people want <clears throat> versus what's right. Right, and so
0: his goal is to promote mm. healthy churches. Gr- sounds like a great goal, but based on what? Right. But your goal should be to glorify God within the local church based on your adherence to scripture. Right. And so it's, it's just so right.
1: slightly off. So what we would say is if the chief end of man is to glorify God and he's given us his word to show us how to do that, then to have a healthy church would be then to go to scripture, study and understand what God set up for the church. And do it what he said. Yeah. <laughs> and then it'll be healthy.
0: And honestly, a lot of what he said was was cool. Like I think, other, I mean, whatever. I'm not, not really wanting to get into the details because it's kind of boring. But um, we were on the same page but from a different premise. And so when I was talking to him, it just fell off. Mm-hmm. And that's why. Because he was saying what seemed right but
1: from a wrong motive. Right. But, it, but in his... <clears throat> And his end thought wasn't right, 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 and that's where we kind of
0: parted ways because it's like, well, I disagree with that. I guess it's just a opinion,
1: but really, it's not opinion.
0: It's because we had two different motives,
1: right? And but also, what you disagreed on was an opinion. His was wrong biblically, yeah. But he felt like there was gray area to work with there. Which just showed a lack of understanding of the scriptures. Uh, I guess
0: what you're talking about is the
1: elder ruled.
0: Yeah. Elder led versus elder ruled. Right. He was like, no, you gotta, this is what he said since we're talking about it now. Yeah. He's like, elder ruled is not good because you gotta give your people some buy in because, mm. um, if they don't have buy in, then they're gonna leave. Yeah. And I'm just thinking in my
1: head, like, all of the decisions that we've made. And, and then the you just, of, and you just say to him and say, hey, scripture reference and, in verse, please help me help me see that. Well, but you what he was saying was from an opinion. I know. Well, you people want buy-in, but that was my point. Well, where'd you get that from? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's that was saying. my point, though. Like, I hear you. I understand that people want buy-in, but God has made it clear in the scriptures of the need for elders and how elders are supposed to run the church. Right. Right. It's like it's the same thing with marriage. I'm doing the marriage workshop right now. There's a lot of those same kind of thought processes in marriage. right? Because don't quite like the husband being the leader. Don't really quite like the wife submitting. Mm -hmm. How do we change that? And it's like, can we just do it this other way because we feel a little better? But God set it up. Right. So I understand it doesn't feel good, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not our job to decide what makes us feel good our job is to decide what glorifies god yeah and how we submit and repent to what he says dude and that's that's
0: really the heart of our podcast looking at culture through a biblical yeah. worldview you really have to train yourself mm-hmm. to think that way not right is this right right but is this because right could mean a lot of different things
1: well, like, no, no. yeah we want it to be right it but, should be right i know yeah, i know, where, I know where you're going
0: but right could mean different things
1: well no no right means right because it comes from truth but the world defines things differently and they're wise in their own eyes yeah I guess
0: it it would be more accurate to say does this feel good exactly which we
1: know that's wrong yeah because right is whatever God says
0: I know but people will say is it right and what they'll think in their head is Mm -hmm. is this acceptable will this work out for me
1: right so will I be happy so pragmatism yeah and you're correct in what you're trying to say oh I know I'm just saying to define it.
0: I'm always right in my own uh, to,
1: to define it correctly, God's word is truth, so whatever God says is right. So our our job as believers is to come into what he says constantly. Okay, I, I'll say it again then, even better, <laughs> more clear. <laughs> just trying to give you some clarity here.
0: The Christian will say, will this work out? Yeah. Instead of saying, is this right and true there based on scripture there you go yeah. it's a mouthful but that's kind of the yeah. that's the constant like battle <laughs> mm-hmm. we're in in this yeah. world living in a non-biblical worldview mm-hmm. world yeah we have to Romans twelve two be tra- mm-hmm. not be conformed to this world but transformed by the renewal of our mind yeah that's what that means all day long you're renewing your mind through that absolutely mental exercise absolutely. of is this scripture is this true yeah is this right yeah Will this work, oh wait, that was wrong. gotta go back to this
1: absolutely proverbs one one seven is one of my favorite verses because it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, mm-hmm. so you don't even start to understand what's right until you fear God first, yeah, submit to him, glorify him, worship him, and then you'll have knowledge, which then means I'll submit to what he says, yeah right and be able to understand Absolutely. wisdom and knowledge which comes later in that chapter. It's going back to the marriage workshop just as an example because we talked about because in our culture that the whole roles of husband wife all that stuff is always being challenged. We don't even realize how much of the dignity that we lose by not doing it God's way. Right? So for instance the wife who says I don't want to submit to my husband, I don't want to do it this way when she understands rightly the scriptures and does it god's way as worship unto the lord then there's a dignity there's a oh, yeah. glorifying of god there's a there's so many things that god has made her for that she begins to flourish in and she will feel that absolutely too. she'll feel like she's in the right place doing absolutely. the right thing but it's totally countercultural yeah. right same thing with the husband cuz Many husbands don't lead the way that the Bible says, right? And don't love as a servant leader, right? To love your Christ, your wife as Christ loved the church, right? And all and all the things that that means, or by sanctifier by the washing of the word, like you're the pastor of your home to be to be teaching and talking with your wife and your family about the word of God. Many husbands don't do that ever, right? right and take very pragmatic, worldly views of. Being the leader of the household, like this is my castle, it's all about you. Yeah, that's not what the Bible says either. I'm going to decide where we go eat because I'm the leader. Right, that's like, not what they're saying.
0: Nah, bro, that's like the last. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. You serve. That's a great right. way to serve her, actually, and let her decide. Right. Yeah. For sure. Most of the times, guys will abdicate the hard leadership <laughs> to passivity, and then they will take they will compensate by mm-hmm. trying to overlead in the easy areas. Right. It's like. Yeah, anyone can do that, bub. Like we need you over right. here. laying down your life right. for your
1: wife, and and in turn, that's most husbands are insecure leaders. That's what an insecure leader does. That's and what lazy. your that's what your lazy insecure boss does that you hate at work. Yeah, he's a micromanager on all the little things because he because he
0: knows how to do it because he's right. been doing it
1: for years. But
0: he like neglects all the hard stuff. Right, or grow he, the company,
1: or he doesn't want to put his people in positions to succeed because they might overshadow him oh. or overshine him. You're getting me fired up right Insecure leaders. Well, that's what husbands do to their wives all the time. Yeah. Right? Because they're so... Um, Which is why wives kind of resist the submitting to your husband. Right.
0: Because they don't trust their husband.
1: Right. But then if both, as unto the Lord, do it the way the word of God says and repent equally and, and step into the roles exactly. God's called them to and trust God because they're going to need his help to do them. Then all of a sudden, God's glorified, and the marriage is healthy, and intimacy grows within it yeah. as they love. And one that's other. a good
0: example. That's where we're doing the marriage counseling. And after the first week, mm. it was like that. Was kind of your call was like to repent. Like, hey, this mm-hmm. is what marriage looks like. Mm-hmm. Not addressing any specific issues. This is just what it's supposed to look like. Right. So if you're not doing this, you <laughs> should and can by the grace of God repent. Right, And so my wife and I did that, and it was so freeing to realize, like, oh, Mm -hmm. all this stuff, even though we didn't do it because we were ignorant, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a marriage was supposed to look like. But you can still repent over the things you were ignorant to, and there was a lot of freedom in that. And I could tell because it felt right. Yeah. You know, like absolutely. not that we should go off a of feeling, you know, we should go off scripture, but, but there are times when
1: you know you're in the right spot. You're well, doing if, what you're created to if do. If the Holy Spirit's within you, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to help your conscience agree with the word of God. And so when you're agreeing with the word of God and doing it rightly, there's this peace of God, there's this satisf this contentment of the Lord that's inside of us, right? That helps us understand like, yeah, this is right. Even though it's totally countercultural, like this is right. Yeah. You know, and, and uh Spurgeon, I'm gonna give you a Spurgeon quote.
0: Okay, you never done that before. Hey, you know
1: I'm pulling it. I'll out. I'll give you one first.
0: <laughs> There's difficulty in all things, except eating pancakes. <laughs> Spurgeon said that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a maybe a little more deeper theological quote, of Spurgeon, okay. but on the the idea of discernment, which is why we need Scripture, right? Because oftentimes when we think of discernment or having wisdom, we think of it as just knowing right from wrong. And that's not really what discernment is. And I, I love Spurgeon's quote because it, it more rightly defines it. He says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right.
0: That's good. Cause the devil
1: operates in half truths. Exactly.
0: So mm, that's good. We man. can be
1: in church all the time and think, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, there's Bible verses on the screen and we're talking about it. It's like, But that's not right because it's not truly trusting the Lord, glorifying God and trusting his word. And so we need to understand, which means we need to understand our scriptures as well.
0: I'll give you one from Calvin. He says, we owe to the scripture the same reverence as we owe God since it has its only source in him and has Mm -hmm. nothing of human origin mixed with
1: it. Yeah, that's That's true. Well, if you think about that, too, once again, if this is truly God's word, you're worshiping God. Yeah, of course. I think you asked me that early in uh, in our discipleship. I,
0: yeah, I thought that the field idolized the Bible. I thought y'all were worshiping the word. Right. I'm like, I think this is wrong, man. <laughs> what was I thinking? I was just trying to think about, like, like I didn't.
1: I wasn't sure. trying to glorify God. I laugh, but I mean, there's a lot of people that would say that about us and it's like it's almost it's such a ridiculous thought when you really understand the father it. son
0: holy
1: bible or something yeah it's really like oh you guys are about the father son holy bible not the holy spirit because the charismatics think that the holy spirit's all about all these great feelings feelings and, feelings and gifts that you get which it's a total dis- you know misunderstanding of who the holy spirit is but but yeah we should be about the bible cuz it's god's word how you how else do you have a relationship with your father other than talking to him or listening to what he says
0: Hey, you That's know who you else do. was all about the Bible?
1: Who's that? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he was the word himself, and he was all about confirming it. Well, he starts off his sermon on the mount mm-hmm. and ends it
0: with two statements that bookend that sermon mm-hmm. with the importance of the word. He says in Matthew five, seventeen, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven.
1: So he thought very highly of the word. Yeah. Yeah, the the Reformation principle or the Reformers back in the day um, made the claim of sola scriptura, right? Like scripture alone. They had a they had a few different solas, God alone, Christ alone, scripture alone. Yep. And it really this, is, yeah. this has to do with the sufficiency of scripture, right? That the scripture is sufficient for everything that we need to live righteously before the Lord. That's what 2 Timothy 3, 16, and 17 are all about. I'll just read them. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So if the chief end of man is to glorify God, his scriptures give us everything we possibly need to know to achieve that goal of glorifying him. Right. right? So... So we got to get the goal right. Scripture is sufficient. Yeah. Now, you may be asking, what does that mean? Scripture speaks on everything in the entire world. No. No. Never make that claim. Uh, there's going to be plenty of things out there that are true, that are provable, that Scripture doesn't speak to. Not because God doesn't have the knowledge, but because it's not needed for that goal, right, of glorifying God. So, yeah, they're medicine has figured out heart disease or, you know, um, it doesn't. the Bible doesn't talk about how the heart works physically with, with cells and all that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. it doesn't make those things less true. And it doesn't mean that God didn't create it by the way, because God created everything. Scriptures tell us that as well as Romans one talks about how we see God in all creation. So those things that are objectively true are part of God's general revelation that just reveal more and more of his intelligent design. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that scripture is, is going to give us medical data to, to work on diabetes or something like that. Right. Right. However, every issue that concerning the soul or the heart in terms of spiritually, uh, any sort of mental health issue, whatever, scriptures are sufficient to give us the answers to those things.
0: Which really just shows you how unimportant things that are not of an eternal nature are. If right. God didn't speak on them, like he, like you just talked about Romans 1, mm-hmm. man has everything he knows to believe in God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: in nature, and therefore be condemned. Because then he yeah. can also see his sin and he can see God. Only thing you can't see from nature is how to be saved. Right. That's that's why you need the scripture. Or how to be sanctified. Right. That's why you need the scripture. And so, you're going to spend the rest of your life Being sanctified. Mm -hmm. So you ain't got time to like. Right, right. (laughs) I mean, the other stuff is important too, I'm saying. But it wasn't important enough for God to speak on because he knew like our real deep issue is Mm -hmm. salvation and sanctification.
1: And sadly, you know, I'll speak from a counseling perspective, how many churches have outsourced spiritual issues of the heart to a quote unquote professional in counseling to deal with. Issues of the heart and depression, anxiety, mental issues and all those things that scripture clearly speaks to and has the right answers to. Yeah. Unfortunately, like a lot of churches in a lot of areas, you know, and I say this very humbly because this is just speaking from reading scripture myself and learning and growing. A lot of pastors either don't understand how to study the scriptures, to apply things practically. Because biblical counsel is just practical theology. Um, so it's taking biblical theology, systematic theology, exegesis, exposition, all those things, and then applying it to a Right, you got to go
0: one step further. And Which pastors really do the
1: same thing in terms of preaching, right? But then in dealing with and digging out a specific issue a stronghold right it's what counselors do and a lot of pastors or counselors don't either know how to study the scriptures and and get to that the root of those problems and, and help someone dig it out or which also happens they don't take the time it's very sad to me in discipleship in counseling and preaching, how little time is spent on understanding and getting the Word of God right mm-hmm. and helping people see it rightly. That it's quick answers to practical solutions that don't lead to a lifetime of freedom, right? And it doesn't lead to worship. Right. It leads to self worship because you're fixing the problem for yourself to feel better about yourself, but it doesn't lead to worship of God, mm-hmm. right? And so it makes me sad how many pastors preach on Sundays and have only given an hour or two hours to the sermon prep. That's crazy to me because there's no way you can really understand. Everything needs to be understood to explain it rightly in that amount of time. Makes me sad how many counselors sit with people and give surfacey advice don't take the time to understand the issues biblically understand the heart biblically really help point and guide someone through the word yeah right which takes a lot of study and a lot of time in theological study biblical study Um, but I can so
0: see how easy that is in the counseling world it's like you immediately think your chief end is just to make this person feel better and stop right. having the symptoms they're having. All right. When really it's like, no, this person is made in the image of God and mm-hmm. they are potential
1: yeah. worshipers of God and well, glorifiers are, right. of God. They're already worshipers, but they're usually not worshipers of God. Right. <laughs> and, and when when you have a spiritual stronghold or you have an emotional stronghold, it's usually a result of a lack of worship of God and, rightly.
0: But know. when you start at the right place, you can so easily see, like, we gotta get this person worshiping
1: God. That's the huh. only thing right. that matters. Right. Which then makes it actually pretty simple, not easy, simple in terms of how to approach an issue and how to help guide them back. Right. Right. I, I tell our, you know, I teach our volunteer counselors who are getting their ACBC and we have a, twice a month we do a mentorship training where we go through case studies or I'm teaching them additional theology or they have additional reading assignments. And one of our uh, analogies that we look at is uh, I I draw like a mountain and at the top is worshiping God. And that's where we're all supposed to be biblically, right? But a lot of times people come to us and they're on on all different parts of that mountain in the wood. They're just lost, right? Our job as a counselor is to understand that so much and to understand how to get them from wherever they're at to the top of that mountain where worshiping God is. Right? So then when you enter into their circumstance, their heart, you can clearly see, okay, here are all the issues, here's where, you know, it's, we got suffering here, we got sin here, we got all this stuff, and we're able to sit down and map out a plan with them, help show them where we're at, why we're here, and where we're going, and then give them steps of homework working towards repentance and getting to where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the job, right? Right. So it's only that I can only lay it out that simply in an analogy when I understand where we're trying to go.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> you have such an advantage over any other counselor because what what business coaches do, and I'm sure a lot of secular therapists do as well mm-hmm. is try to f- they probably spend a ton of time trying to figure out what the person wants Remember, oh, yeah. that's the question what do you want yeah i don't know what i want what's your goals oh you already know what would make you happy hey i already know what you want you don't know it yet right hey, you want to worship god right like, you want to treasure and worship god and mm-hmm. uh i can help you with that yeah that
1: cuts out so much time oh yeah and right now you don't think you want that but that's what you actually are being right for that's what you're designed to do yeah you don't even realize it that's a huge advantage for sure and that's what helps like, okay, now we can understand what's going on, we can explain, you know, the sin, the idolatry, what's happening, and now we can actually lay out a plan of repentance and growth and worship, right? And um that's so counter cultural, but the only the scriptures give us that. Yeah. I only know that because of the scriptures. Exactly. Which goes back to the original point of this whole podcast. Scripture is sufficient. For everything when it comes to worshiping God and righteousness.
0: Yeah. Are you enough? No. Is scripture? Yes.
1: Yeah. Because it's the words of God. Like once again, it just makes complete sense. If the chief end of man is to worship and glorify God, then the way to do that is the way God says to do that. And that's in the scriptures. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? All right. One more quote and we can end it.
0: R.C. Sproul. If the Lord God Almighty opens his mouth, there is no room for debate and no excuse for unbelief. Scripture is the word of God and everyone is duty-bound to submit to its authority. That, that kind of pushes more into the authority of Scripture, which is a whole nother topic, but maybe not so much.
1: Well, it's the same topic because if, if it's sufficient... It's, it's, it's enough if you're willing to submit. It's sufficient because it is the authority because it's God's word. Yeah. Because God's the authority. Dude, that's circular reasoning, man. Just stop it. <laughs> I'm not going to buy into your cult. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it... It really clears up a lot of junk, though. The, We'll kind of end it this way. There's so many half-truths out there. Once again, going back to that Spurgeon quote, discernment is knowing the difference between what's right and what's almost right. Yeah. And God is not a God who's trying to confuse us at all. Satan is. Sin is. Mm -hmm. All confusion comes from Satan and sin, trying to distort, trying to confuse. Mm hmm So, to make it very simple, if you want to be aligned with the Lord and worship God, then read, study, understand his word, and do it. Yeah. And you will. Right. It's as simple as that. Not easy, but
0: simple. Right. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. We may maybe break into some some more of that. And even like, why Mm -hmm. you, because some people may not trust scripture, so we could maybe talk to some of that stuff. But that's enough for today. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.